Welcome to the podcast to be named later, where we explore the world a conversation at a time. Sit back and enjoy. Here are your hosts, Chris and Kelly. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the latest edition of the podcast to be named later. I'm Kelly and my co-host, Chris, and after another little bit of off-season break, we're back to have a little more talk with you all. Chris, how's it going, bud? Going really well, sir. Well, great. Got a little late-breaking news on the NFL draft front. 2025 draft coming to Lambeau Field. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Just got announced. Better hope there's not a snowstorm. Well, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, mean, I like to see them moving around. They've certain, certainly turned the draft into a spectacle. It's going to be in Detroit next year, I believe, and then 2025 Lambeau Field. Yeah, it's an event, man. I mean, you know, NFL draft, I mean, NFL in general has just done nothing but grow. But uh, it's crazy, you know, dra drafts for, for most of the major sports historically were kind of, I wouldn't call them an afterthought, but they certainly weren't a fan draw. And, uh, you know, over time, man, it's evolved. NFL especially has just evolved into, uh, I mean, it's a weekend-long event in whatever city hosts it. Yeah, I recall reading not too long ago uh, when ESPN, the old line is, when ESPN back uh, in, I think, 1979 went to the NFL and asked for permission to broadcast the draft, the NFL's answer was, Why? <laughs> now it's like how much so yeah that's my late breaking news on the late breaking news front uh getting close to a little late breaking news uh in the old basketball here yeah i've been, I've been pretty glued to the basketball man I, you know we talked about this on previous podcasts and and uh you know basically these longer seasons, um, you know, basically anything outside of football uh, that, that ranges from a, a, like an 11, 12 game season in college to, uh, you know, 17 with playoffs, you know, 21 uh, game season in the NFL. Uh, some of the, you know, the baseball, the hockey, the basketball, uh, you know, I don't jump in uh, on a game by game basis and, and I just don't have the attention span to be glued from start to finish. But once playoff starts, uh, that's an easy time for me to jump in. Um, you weeded out some of the weeks, so uh, you know, leading up the last couple games of the season uh, to see who uh, you know was going to be in the play-ins and where all the positions were going to end up. You know, some of the seeding mattered quite a bit for teams. Um, and then uh, once that uh, play-in game started, uh, I've been pretty glued. I think I've watched every single game of the playoffs, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been exciting, man. I mean, this is uh, this is why we love sports, dude. The um, you know, the old adage is, uh, you know, just uh, just get in, right? The playoffs is a whole nother season. You just got to get there. You got to qualify. And then you never know. And this year is uh, really exciting, man, with the Florida Panthers being an eight seed, barely getting in the playoffs. And, and I mean, they kind of look like the class of the NFL all of a sudden, or uh, NHL all of a sudden. And then uh, in basketball, you got the Heat as an eight seed that uh, is basically kicking the whole East butt, man. Yeah, they're they're just uh, kicking butt and not even taking names. Uh, no, Jimmy uh, Butler, uh, man, I got so much respect for that guy. And uh, I was texting with a buddy, you know, that he, you know, he's maybe not 
on the same level as the the Kobe Bryant and the Michael Jordan, um, you know, in terms of overall uh, physical skill, you know, and, and, and but when it comes to will to win and want to, uh, that guy takes a backseat to nobody, man. I mean, he's just uh, unbelievable competitor and really he, he's class act of a guy and just a, a warrior on the uh, on the court, you know, and um, I, I love it, man. I love to see it. Uh, I got so much respect for him and, and what that Miami Heat team is doing. And it just goes to show, man, you know, they were one of the worst three-pointing she- shooting teams in the league uh, throughout the regular season. They turned it on in the playoffs, and, and that's really what it boils down to, man, is, you know, you get hot at the right time, and you got a collective group of guys who all step up their game at the same time um, and just, you know, start playing their best all of a sudden when the playoffs start, you can do some magical things. I uh, saw firsthand what Jimmy Butler can do when, uh, against the Bucks here, obviously. And uh, I know we talked about it before, but it is one of the exciting things. Obviously, I was on the wrong side of it as a fan for the Bucks, But um, to see it when a team gets hot like that, especially when they, uh, you know, you really figure an eight seed, everybody writes them off and kind of expects it not to do much. Uh, speaking of writing it off, I mean, obviously we're not going to do that, but uh, Denver sure schooling the Lakers right now. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and that one is uh, a little less surprising. It just just for the simple fact that you know Denver was a, a number one seed. They they were good all year. Um, they've remained healthy. I mean, uh, Jamal Murray being healthy is something they've never really had in the playoffs. And uh, you can see what a difference he's making. I mean, he's, you know, an all-star caliber player. And, um, boy, I'll tell you what, boy. When, uh, talk, about, uh, talk about a dude who's, who's not afraid of the moment, man. Uh, you know, when that guy gets hot, uh, just get out the way because, uh, you know, he, he reminds me some, uh, some of the old, old guys, like they're Reggie Millers, you know, or, or they just can't miss, you know, and, and – uh, um, seems like Eric Steph Curry's kind of like that too, and and uh, you know, um, he, you know, one, it just seems like everything he throws up in some of these fourth quarters is just a, it doesn't matter, man. It's going through the hoops. So uh, yeah, Denver's putting it all over the Lakers, and I'll be the first to say it doesn't bother me one iota. So I am, I got no love for the Lakers, and and uh, uh, I, I I'm one of those. They're kind of like the Yankees for me. You know, if you don't love them, you hate them, and mm-hmm. I don't love them. So. I do got to say, basketball is just, uh, I find it just amazing sometimes. Like you said, you see guys, they get in a zone, man. Curry's done this uh, many times, and you see it with all kinds of players. They, you know, be off balance, just about on the ground, who knows what. And they're just, they're just hot, and it goes in, man. Yeah, that's been Jamal Murray, Murray uh, through this series. He's He's always kind of been a hot and cold guy, you know. He's a dude that might go, you know, three for 15 to start a game sometimes and then finish, you know, eight of eight. And, uh, you know, you look at the final stat line, it's like, wow, you had a great game. And it's like, man, yeah, at the end. (laughs) I mean, really, when you think back, though, even in, you know, you're playing out in the driveway down at the park with family or friends and just how hard it is to make a, a bucket with even the family or friends defense on you. You know what? What's that like with twenty thousand people yelling and all that? That's what I mean. That's why they make the money. 
Yeah, exactly it. I mean, we've been playing a lot of hoops actually out in front of the house. Uh, neighbors have a hoop, you know, a little stand-up thing that that sits in uh, in between our two houses. I actually just put a new net on it yesterday, so uh, we played enough to wear out the old net, and it was the time for a new one. So, uh, you know, ran by the store, picked up a, a new net, and uh, my son and I, uh, you know, he actually put the net on. I, I held the ladder while he stood up and and uh, worked it all in there and took the old one out and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, just with, with no one even playing defense and uh, just shooting the ball by, by myself with no one in my face is, is hard to make a poop. So uh, you watch some of these guys from, you know, 27 feet out burying buckets. It's just hard to, you know, it's just hard. You know, that's why they, like you said, that's why they get the big bucks, man. It's uh it's kind of electric. And, and the hockey, just to go back to that, so I, I watched almost all the hockey playoff games. There's something about playoff hockey I love. Uh, it's just that extra drama, and I guess the sound really comes through. Uh, it's been some good hockey, man. Yeah, the hockey's been incredible. And, and uh, you know, hockey's the one sport that's kind of always been that way. You really don't know. Um, you look at the uh, Boston Bruins. I, I don't know where they rank all time, but um, you know had one of the best uh, regular season records in the history of the NHL. Um, and uh, you know they come into the playoffs and get bounced straight away. And, and uh, that's what's cool about NHL, man. Is um, they, of of all the sports in basketball, it's rare. You know where uh, an eight seed beats a one. Um, generally, the more talented team for the regular season is going to be the more talented team, especially all the series are seven-game series now, and usually the cream rises. Uh, but this year, that hasn't been the case, man, and, and uh, it's been fun. But hockey has always been that way where two teams line up, and it really, you know, one's a favorite for sure, but uh, really it, it don't matter, man. You know, you, you're going to play seven games, first one to win four, and it doesn't matter if you're the sixth seed, seventh seed, one seed, you know, uh, 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 you can go down in hockey, and, and it just makes it for – and on a game-by-game basis, you don't know who's going to win. You know, home ice matters. It helps, but it's – you know, it's not going to make or break, right? So, uh, yeah, every game is, is its own entity, and uh, it just makes for a really expi- exciting f- uh, sporting event to watch. I also think hockey's got one of the most exciting overtimes. Maybe it's because, you know, it's that, la- it's that last – I mean, you make that goal and it's over, but – Man, we had that one game not too long ago. It's four overtimes. Yeah, and I think that might have broke uh, Carolina. I think it. Well, I think that is. That's one of those things that if you win, it's electric. If you don't, what do you do? Yeah, well, you're 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 more tired as the <laughs> losing team, <laughs> and uh, you know the other team seems to recover pretty quickly quickly, and they're ready for the next one. Whereas the team that lost it, you all played the same minutes, but one team definitely shows up the next time a little, uh, a little less fired up than, than the one who won it. Yeah, so we'll see. I, I, it's always this, this is actually a, more, a nice time of year as a sports fan. Uh, baseball's starting to get going. You know, you got a little bit of OTAs off uh, for football, and then two of the sports coming up on their championships. Always, it is also for me though as a sports fan. Always a little uh, bittersweet. Um, as a kid, for me, the Indianapolis 500 was always one of those uh, kind of tentpole events in sports. And 
you know, it just hasn't had that same luster in so long now. I know they still have it, but, you know, they, uh, IndyCar had its little feud amongst itself, and uh, it's just not the same, man. No, not here in America. You know, it's, uh, um, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, uh, your mother used to put together a uh, IndyCar, like, uh, pool. Yep. You know, you got you got issued a, a driver. I, I don't remember what we paid. It'd be five bucks to get in or something like that. And uh, you know, you got a driver or two, depending on how many entries you bought. And um, you know, I made it fun, and, and that's something uh, at least for for the casual American sports fan. Uh, IndyCar racing is is way down the list. I mean, behind golf and uh, NASCAR and and almost every other sport in the country, really. I want to get your opinion. So you just mentioned golf. Um, I find it really bizarre in golf myself. Well, two really two things I'd love to get your opinion on. Uh, what's your whole take on this split with the uh, uh, PGA and then uh, the what do they call it? Fifty four live. Live. What's your take? Uh. Well, an opportunity was presented to um, these golfers. You know, I, I don't necessarily fault Liv for, uh, you know, wanting to do something, right? They got a right to do it. They presented uh, these golfers with an option. They laid out a lot of money. They, they invested a lot of capital. And, uh, you know, a lot of times that'll go a long way. And, and so, and then from the golfer standpoint, um, I don't, it, it's too bad because it's put a black eye on the sport as a whole. Uh, but who do you blame, you know, and, and, you know, you could have your allegiance, but if you're being objective, um, you know, it's, it's hard to assess blame anywhere. You know, I don't blame, uh, Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka or, or anyone who's like, Hey man, the, the dude, there's a $25 million purse over there, or there's a $6 million purse here. Why, why would I not go play golf for the weekend where I can win $10 million? You know what I mean? Why, why would I stay here and, and try to win one? And so I don't blame them. Um, and, uh, at the same time, and I can understand uh, the PGA's and the PGA loyalist, um, stance like, Hey, we, you know, we built this, you know, we, we, we're, we're the ones who gave you a platform. You know what I mean? We, um, helped make you a recognizable name. You're, you're you know, we're, we were a part of the reason why you were invited to, to go, uh, you know, go play this other spot. And so I can understand why there'd be, you know, angst on, or not angst, but like, uh, you know, a little pushback from one side, but at the same time, man, I, I, I never, you'll never hear me fault somebody for doing what they need to do for themselves and their family, man. And, and, you know, if you have an opportunity to take advantage of a, a, a more money somewhere else, then, you know, I, I think there should be some level of loyalty, but only to a point. Right. I think, I think there's gotta be loyalty on both sides. And I mean, um, you tell me if someone else came along and offered, and we've seen it, right? I mean, uh, uh, you take all the media or announcer, if someone says, hey, you know, we'll give you more to go to this network or step up to this, I, I can't fault the people for that. The, the other thing that I just think is a little unique about golf, and again, I get it, every sport's different, um, and but how... You know, as a player, you don't have to play every tournament. Yeah, that it is unique to golf for sure. And, and you can uh, kind of just show up for the big ones if you want. Yep, absolutely. So, 
You know, and some guys have earned that right. A, a guy like Tiger Woods, for instance, dude, if you need to spend five months getting ready to play one weekend, uh, you know, do what you got to do. Just, you know, everyone just hopes when you show up, you're at your best and, and you can decide what that is. If that means playing some tournaments along the way, then to warm up, then great. If for you, it means no, I, I'm better off being at home or practicing in, in my own way. Then, yeah, uh, golf is, is definitely unique that way. But they're tournaments, man. You know, if you play uh, a tournament style, um, you know, like so let's say you play poker. You know what I mean? You don't have to show up to every event. Now, if you want to be player of the year, you do. If you want to accumulate the points necessary to be recognized for that, like for uh, uh, FedEx Cup, you know, there, there are standings. Uh, if you want to be recognized with those, well, you got to put the time in and show up to more events. But if that's not something that's a priority to you, then, you know, if I only want to play the world, the main event at the World Series of Poker, I don't have to show up to other events. I can just pick that one. I like uh, I like the golf tournaments. I'm not obviously golf is probably one of the more harder sports to make exciting, at least to me, if you can't see. Um but uh, I like the ones where the crowd really gets into it. I'll tell you what, this past weekend, I don't know if you followed the PGA t- Championship, but I, uh, I was following that. And uh, final day, a story that I hadn't picked up on um, until late was uh, the golf pro, um, Michael... Uh, I to look. He finished 15th, I know that. Oh, I'm gonna yeah, look it up the right guy, now. yeah, I, I saw the headlines on that. I can't remember his last name. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up right now. He, I know he finished fifteenth because that was a big deal. Um, Block, Michael Block, and uh, I'll tell you what was really cool, man. Again, dude, just another reason why I like sports. So, you know, kind of a, a tin cup story, you know, where he had to qualify, and uh, you know, so he he played his way into this, got got his opportunity. And uh, he needed to finish, uh, and the crowd all knew it, man. And you know, it really very similar to like you know the the famous golf movie Tin Cup with uh, Kevin Costner, and and uh, you know, so he plays his way in, he, he gets his his shot, you know, to go play with the big boys, and then if he finished fifteenth or better, uh, he was going to get an exemption for next year. And I mean, not for nothing, the guy won three hundred and nine thousand dollars for, you know, for his place. So, I mean, that, that ain't a bad day to begin with. But now he gets another crack to come out and, uh, you know, a dude, just local golf, golf pro, you know, what I mean, just, you know, doesn't have his card and um, grinding and playing and trying. And, you know, he's he's older guy now and uh, um gets this gets gets an opportunity to show up and play what was really cool was on the 18th hole and i don't know how closely you follow this so 18th hole he needs to finish 15th or better so uh he's sitting in 15th as he approaches the tee box on the 18th hole and nobody behind him everyone behind him like playing still is already in front of him on the leaderboard so so no one even if they all eagle it it ain't gonna matter they're all ahead of him anyway right so nothing he can do nothing anyone else can do can affect him because the people that that have yet to play are, are already ahead of him right so bottom line is he needs to not drop himself right so uh, as long as he finishes with a par he'll stay in 15th and uh I believe it was his second shot he, he looked like me out there, and he just yanks it into the stands and where all the people are standing and stuff, dude. And, 
okay, uh, so you know it's a it's a par four, and uh, you know first shot was fine. Second shot, he he yanks it left, which like I said, I I, I do regularly, and. Uh, Okay, so let's clear all the people, and and you know he's up in this trampled area, and and he's got to lob it up up and over, and it's going to be a tough landing. So now you got to figure he's he's up by the green, but um, you know he, he's going to be pitching it, and there's not a lot of green to work with. It's it's a pretty tough pitch, dude, and you know now you got to get it close enough with this pitch in order to sink it with the putt. You know, so if you're ten feet away, twenty feet away, twenty five feet away, now you're gonna have to make a twenty five footer in order to make par. And uh, he did beautiful lob shot, man. Lands um, just off the green. It almost looks like it's going to die there. It takes one little hop and then just slowly trickles onto the green and starts rolling towards the cup. And he gets it reasonably close, you know, about eight feet or so. And uh, a crowd goes crazy because now he's got a chance, you know. And uh, everyone, you, you know, thousands of people are pulling for this guy. He's, you know, he's playing for 15th, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, but it, it, as far as the crowd was concerned, you were th- you'd think he was fighting for a title. And uh, so uh, he trickles this ball onto the green, gets it within eight feet. And anyone who's ever golfed before knows that eight feet is like no gimme ever, right? So, And especially with all this pressure, you're talking about like a life-changing uh, putt that he's about to take. And I, I got to imagine his nerves are just, you know, going crazy. And uh, it's real simple. If you uh, make this putt, then you get your exemption and and all's right with the world and and you know life-changing putt if you miss it then you're back to square one dude and and you know try again next year and uh you know he buries this this putt and he and uh rory mcelroy was his playing partner and uh you'd think rory just won five million dollars rory was so happy and apparently everybody knew what was on the line except for michael <laughs> so i don't know i don't know uh that uh, afterwards they were talking with them and he's like man it was so weird rory like came up and like hugged me and uh uh he's like all right you know uh, a little weird but fine i'll yeah i'll, I'll hug you rory <laughs> you know usually we shake hands at, at the end you know or, or like fist bump or something you know when we're done with the round and he's like it was really weird rory came up and like gave me a big hug and I was like, uh, okay, you know, uh, and, uh, um, you know, then he realized what, what had happened. And uh, I tell you what, man, I actually got a little teary-eyed, you know, being a father, I, I you know, you, you feel kind of things sometimes in movies or shows or something kind of touches you. And uh, he was sitting there talking uh, after the event, Kelly. And um, so she, uh, shoot, I forget her name. Um, I wish I remember her name, but um, she's interviewing and, and explaining everything. So, she, so they have a clip of his home club, his home course, and uh, where he's a golf pro, and uh, the place is packed, and I mean, like everybody. So they show uh, some video footage of um, him on the television and these, you know, 200 people all packed into the clubhouse, clearly well beyond what the fire department would allow to be in there legally. And, uh, so it shows the, him making the putt and this whole place going crazy. And you could just tell his emotions in the moment was like, Oh wow, man, like all these people supporting me like this, you know, it's gotta be overwhelming. Right. And then she says, uh, you know, you know who shot that video? And, and uh, he says, no, I, I have no idea. And he says, that was your son. And he's like, what? He told me he was sick. <laughs> and uh, uh, 
oh man, that's that's amazing. I can't believe he went down there. I know he hasn't been feeling well. And she's like, she's like, I talked with your son, and he he said this was the greatest moment of his life, and he was so proud. And uh, then the dude just starts crying, you know, and, and he's like, well, thanks for making me cry on national TV. And it was just a really cool moment, man, where you could see genuine emotion of a guy who like had realized a dream, you know, and and all the positives that came from it. I know I I hadn't seen that, but it's a great story. Kind of a tears me up a little bit just hearing you retell it because you know yeah, there's a lot of business and all the rest but that's I think that's the fun of sports for most of us anyway is you know that every man kind of getting that that dream and making something great happen you know it's not and, and great is not the money or you know the 20th championship and those are those are powerful moments too but you know that kind of feeling like it's just one of us stepping up and making something cool happen for themselves. Yeah, anyone who's worked for anything in their life, and it might not be sports related. You know, it could be a lot of different things, man. But you know, uh, anyone who's worked for something and tried and, and failed and tried and failed and tried again and, and continued to grind at it and work at it and uh, keep hope alive and just keep trying, man. And then, uh, to see when, you know, those, those rare occasions when someone realizes it and, and, and you made it, man, you know, you tried to climb this mountain 20 times and, and, and fell short, you know, 19 of them. And, and then all of a sudden you get it. And it's just like, ah, man, you just, you just put yourself in their position and, and feel what they're feeling. And, and, uh, you know, good for Kapka for winning the event and very impressive, his fifth major and on and on. But, man, uh, Michael Block stole, stole the show, in my opinion. You know, I, I love those kind of stories. You see them in other sports, um, right? You see them in baseball when kind of a journeyman minor leaguer finally gets a crack at the big show and uh, gets called up and that excitement gets a hit. Um, it's it's kind of electric and I, it's, it's one of the I've always said on this podcast one of the things I like about sports is the the stories and uh, you know Hollywood you know when when Hollywood becomes reality um, it just makes it extra magic to me yeah me too man I mean you know I, uh, sports for life I remember uh, I think it was in the Golden State series. Um, Lonnie Walker for the Lakers and I, like I said I'm, I got no love for the Lakers so I, I love to see their failures uh, but the uh, Lonnie Walker comes in um, I can't remember what game it was when he came in and lit him up but uh, you know he comes in young kid and and uh, you know the the underlying theme was like hey you know Golden State's a little older and uh, Ham just wanted, dude, I just need some kids in here to run these guys up and down the court. You know what I mean? And, and LeBron and AD, you know, they're not doing it, right? So I need, I need some fresh legs in here. And Lonnie Walker hadn't been playing. Um, you know, he hadn't logged a minute in uh, several games in a row and, uh, you know, wasn't in the rotation in any way. And then he gets his opportunity to come in and play, and he just lit him up, man, and, and uh, couldn't miss, you know. And then afterwards you know they're talking with them and nobody knew who Lonnie Walker the fourth was no one had ever heard of this guy right and and then uh even the guys on TNT you know Barkley and Shaq were kind of teasing you know Lonnie Walker the fourth you know and and uh everyone was so happy for this guy and then they talked to him afterwards and uh he was so humble so appreciative and you know you listen to like LeBron talk about him 
And it's like, hey, man, this guy works his butt off every day in practice, is always ready, you know what I mean? He's, he's ready when his number is going to get called. And, you know, you go three, four weeks without playing, like you start to think, hey, maybe my number's never going to be called. But that wasn't the case for him, you know? And, and he came in uh, in a big spot and um, played. And, and then to hear his story afterwards, you know, like you said, he's kind of a journeyman, man. Just, you know, he's young, but, but he, you know, he just hasn't had an opportunity. And, and uh, to see him come in and shine, it was hard not to root for the kid, you know, uh, and, and just be happy for him. Like, hey, man, he's, this kid's been working. He's talking about shooting hoop. Uh, uh, you know, they're talking about, like, what, you know, what do you do to get the extra work? You know what I mean? Where do you, where do you go? And he's like, I just shoot hoops with my dad, man, and my buddy. And, you know, I work on my game with them. You know, my dad plays defense. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like I just, you know, do what I can to be ready, you know, and hoping someday, like, I'll get my shot. And, and then when he did, he shined, and it's really cool to see. I think that's one of the things about the NBA, I mean, um, is the effort it takes. You know, it's one thing to be a starter, and great, you know. I was listening to uh, some baseball announcers yesterday, and one guy was talking about this kind of stuff, and he's like, you know, some hitters are 300 hitters. They just know they're going to go to the park every day, and they're going to get their hit. Like, they just do. And I, I don't. I gotta find out who it was because I'm not familiar with. <clears throat> excuse me, who all the Minnesota Twins TV announcers are. Just happened to have that game on, but he's like, I never, I never thought, you know, I had to grind every day to even think I was gonna get into the lineup. Let yeah, alone and you, get you a have hit. So much respect for those guys, man. You know, so we. There's a lot of people like that, and <clears throat> then you go down a level to the AAA or AA, and just, you know, TV and all of that and our fandom shows us the, the, the glory. There's a lot of people putting a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and hours and dedication, uh, you know, for just a few shining moments. Yeah, I got a buddy uh, that is an airline pilot, and um, I always was of the mindset that, uh, you know, airline pilots, like once you make it, you're just rich and, and you're, you know, you're, you got a sweet job and everything. And, um, you know, basically, you know, once you get hired, like you're set. Right. And, uh, I figured it was probably, I didn't, I wasn't very knowledgeable about what it took. And, uh, you know, listen to his story talking about like what a grind it is. You know, he's like sleeping in a closet in like Boise, Idaho for six months, you know, cause he couldn't afford a, an apartment or anything and and uh you know I, I i could be mistaken about it being boise but it was a, some small airport somewhere where it was like well you know i gotta stay overnight here and i gotta get my eight hours of rest and so he just like would lay a blanket and he had this like supply closet that no one checked on him and and the you know night security guard let him be and didn't mess mess with them or anything you know and and uh he just slept in the closet man <laughs> and so you know it's like man it's not all glory right i'm sure from i want to hear know. this story dude was that? I'm not sure. I really want to know about this story. <laughs> well, I won't give any names or airlines or, or anything. Kind of hoping uh, that the guy that, or gal that's sitting up front's had a good night's sleep in the best bed they can have. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, at least from his story, and, and you know, things that may have changed over over the years, but uh, yeah, dude, it's just uh, you know. <laughs> Everyone knows their own individual grind, right? Everyone knows their life story, right? Because you lived it. And so, you know, and, and I bet if you ask most people, most people would say they had it pretty rough. And whether they did or not, everything's perspective-based, right? So 
um, everyone would say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I went, through some, went through some trials and tribulations, man. Had some real hard times in my life, and everyone would say that. And um, I, I just think sometimes, you know, the media helps and, and all of that with regards to sports. But um, And maybe the stakes are a little higher, too, you know. Uh, but um, it's a good metaphor for life. You know, sports, sports in general show you, like, hey, man, you just work, work. And, and uh, what's your dream? What do you want to do, man? And, and who do you want to be? And, and if you're not there, it's, it's okay. You just got to work. And uh, don't quit, man. Just If you quit, you got no shot. So even if you try your hardest, you might not make it. But, but you have a 0% chance if you quit. So don't, don't do that. You know, give, it your, give it your best shot. And, and it, you know, if, if uh, the cards you know, go your way, man, it, it all, all could work out someday. And, and sports shows us that time and time and time again, man, for, for you know, these people that um, weren't the LeBron James, didn't get drafted right out of high school. You know what I mean? They weren't always going to be a star. They, they, had to, they had to earn it. Well, and I think for me, the biggest thing is, you know what, man, and I, I've really come to appreciate this as I've gotten older. I, I'd like to say I always appreciated it when I was younger, but I'm, I'm sure my appreciation has grown is, you know, we really don't know what anybody else's story is and, you know, what what their journey's been to get them to where they are and, you know, what what they had to, uh, you know, do uh, as far as just effort or even in in their current day you know um what is what what's going on what are they doing behind the scenes you know to put themselves with it where they are I, I went to the dentist today you know so i see a den my dentist and the the hygienist and then i i think about that you know i mean i know a little bit about my dentist and you know i mean uh, she didn't actually go right from college to dental school. She actually was working in a bank. And, uh, you know, so I, I think about that and just, you know, the hygienist is, you know, ch chatting with her and she's got two kids and, uh, you know, taking care of her, her sons and all that at the same time and, you know, showing up. And I think we all have a lot going on. Um, while we're, you know, in the environment that where other people see us. And I think that's true. Yes, the, the high-profile athletes, you know, I mean, they got cooks and massages and who knows what else. And I'm sure it's uh, – but they've also got other things on, uh, that, you know, demands on their time uh, that probably you or I don't have. So I guess my point is – the, it's about the journey and don't assume you know what what somebody else has you know going on yeah absolutely man and, and hopefully uh we take that into our everyday life too and and i've had um you know put, had to put myself in check a couple times and 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 remind myself like hey man you you have no idea so that guy who cut you off on the freeway or the um this person who you know, did you wrong or messed up your burger at, at, at the, you know, McDonald's or whatever. Um, you know, you don't know what, what's going on in their life. You don't know if they just experienced a significant loss. You don't know if they're going through some uh, a health scare of some sort, man. You have no idea what kind of trials they're going through. So just cut them a break, you know, uh, you know, give them, you know, try to give passes where you can, man. Try not to get too upset. 
Um, I use that. I try to employ that in my daily life all the time where, you know, and it's hard sometimes because, you know, obviously something happened where you're frustrated and, and uh, you know, who taught you to drive, man? You're terrible. And, and But at the same time, you have no idea what they're going through. So, you know, give them some space, you know, and... Uh, yeah, speaking of that driving one, I've said this to people. I'll say it to you too, because I, I do. I obviously don't drive, and I have yet to be with anybody as a passenger who uh, I've never heard anybody say, "Wow, that was my fault. I really screwed up." <laughs> yeah, dude. Huh. I mean, when I swerved, it was like, well, dude, I was, you know, I was changing the radio. Like everyone does that. Like you got to give me, you got to give me some slack. But if you swerve, then, you know, hey, what are you doing? Pay attention to the road. <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, it's not, I mean, I, you're right. I don't, I don't know of a single driver who thinks it was their fault. Hey, speaking of driving, Chris, I know you're on the road a lot um, for work and uh, lighten it up a little bit. I know it's, I mean... It's it's both, I guess it's astounding to me some of the things I've heard. But uh, give me an idea. I'll tell you, I, I was riding with somebody once, and I don't know how they do this. So it seems I don't want to be judgmental, but I'm. I guess I'm just curious what kind of things you see people doing. Uh, but uh, I'll give you an example. This one person I was riding with in their car one time. They told me if they were really in a hurry, they had learned how to drive with their elbows and eat breakfast out of a cereal bowl. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You really see this so, kind of stuff going on? Well, I mean, I don't want to incriminate myself or anything, but, yeah, you can drive with a knee, no problem, for, for long periods. I mean, you're not going to make a, a U-turn with your knee. You know, you can make subtle turns, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you need both hands for something else. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, uh, that certainly happens. Um, you know, I, we had a conversation over uh, uh, Mother's Day with uh, my girlfriend's brother. Said something about uh, you know we have we have the same pet peeve, and uh, actually uh, correlated pretty funny story. But um, uh, same guy, we're driving back from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, to Southern California. It's about a five and a half six hour drive, and as we were driving uh through palm springs area on i-10 westbound uh we pass him her brother we're you know we're the two of us are both in the car we're driving back from phoenix and uh she's you know he's got a unique colored uh vehicle and uh she's like hey that looks like my brother's car and she's like that might be my brother and i said you know what i think it might be and uh, as we pull up next to him, it was sure enough, we wave. He's like, well, you got to be thinking, like, what the hell are these guys doing here? You know, his, his sister rolls up on him, you know, 100 miles from home, uh, just randomly on the freeway. But the conversation we had, uh, you know, at this dinner, he, you know, he's talking about, um, you know, like, in, especially in California, so a lot of places in the country have uh, smaller highways, right? Southern California has gigantic highways, multi-lanes. And it's very few, even our roadways have like three or four lanes a lot of times. Like a street might have four lanes in it. The uh, the road right in front of my house has six lanes that go across it, you know. So there's just more people that live here, more people that drive here. Everything's bigger in terms of uh, streets and highways and stuff. And he was talking about, um, 
you know, the order in which tra traffic should be. You know, you have your, your, your uh, right-hand lane, your furthest lane, where people are going to be getting off in a half a mile and, and people are merging onto the freeway and they may not be up to highway speeds yet. And, and that's, the, that's the exiting and entering lane. And um, then you have your middle lane or two that these people are just driving, you know, maybe they're going to be getting off some, sometime soon in the next couple miles and they've moved over a couple lanes or, or they got, you know, 60 miles to go and they're just kind of in, in, in cruise pattern or whatever. And then you have your far left lane, which should be the fast lane. And um, those are people who are, who are, you know, going longer distances and want to go higher speeds and stuff. And he was talking about, you know, if you're in the left lane, you got to be going faster than, than, the, than the car in the right lane. You got to be, you got to be going by them or, or you're a mess. And uh, he he looked at me and said, "You don't you don't drive in the left lane unless you're like passing someone, right?" And I laughed, and uh, my girlfriend laughed. I was like, "Bro, uh, I am the fastest moving vehicle in, in, on every highway I'm ever on, so I am only ever passing people. <laughs> and so you don't have to worry about if I'm ever just cruising. That just doesn't happen. So I'm only ever passing, actively passing at all times. And uh, you know, when I uh, had to slow down to pull up next to him." Uh, on the on the highway he he realized what I was talking about but um those those are like the get me all fired up man talking about like uh road courtesy and like considerations and understanding you know if you're going 50 miles an hour uh and the car to your left is going 70 you have an obligation to recognize that hey I'm not going nearly as fast as they are like I have to wait for them to pass I can't just pull over in front of them you know, but, but a lot of people don't seem to understand that. And, uh, yeah, it causes problems. Yeah, Southern California also has some of the slowest traffic in my experience, man. Well, that's just sheer volume, though. Oh, I know. It's just amazing to me. Times I've been out there, and you, I mean, really, <laughs> you're, you could get out of your car sometimes and walk faster. That happened exactly. Uh, I went and met with a... Uh, a, a niece of yours, a cousin of mine, on Saturday, and uh, you know, I use the Waze app to get around. Um, it generally gives you a, a pretty decent heads up of of traffic and things that you wouldn't know ahead of time. You know that that hey, there's yeah. an accident on this road or whatever. And, and generally speaking, it's not 100%, but generally speaking, Waze does a good job of recognizing like hey, this path is blocked, don't go this way, kind of thing, right? And uh, so. Uh, I, bu I tried to buck the system, and it gave me this way to go home that I was like, what? So we were leaving from uh, Dana Point, California, and uh, heading over to, like, Temecula. And there's, like, three ways you can go. You can go north and hook up with, uh, like, the 91, or you can go south, hook up with 76, or you can take Ortega Highway straight through the mountains. And, and it was telling me to go south, which was by far the most miles. And I'm like, nah, man, that's ridiculous. It's 10 o'clock at night. Like, I'm, I'm not doing that. And so... Uh, I, I take the north, and uh, it's just stop and go traffic the whole time. And at one point, someone absolutely got out of their car on the freeway and, and grabbed something out of their trunk. And uh, you know, my girlfriend made a comment like, "Oh man, <laughs> like we're going we're going slow enough that guys can get out and like grab stuff out of their trunk. This is terrible." I mean, in Seattle, you you know Seattle. I mean, they had that they oh, yeah. had horrible traffic because, right? I mean, it's uh. And I live there, and I mean, from where I live to get into Seattle, if there wasn't traffic, it was 20 minutes. I remember going into Seattle uh, one time for an event, and it literally took two and a half hours. 
Yeah, and see, the problem with Seattle is uh, infrastructure. You know, you got an ocean right on the side, and then you have you know all the Puget Sound. I mean, there's you know you can't build roadways. Well, yeah, on, I mean, you got a big water. lake. Yeah, and then Lake Washington's on your right. Yeah, you, got so, two bri- dude, you got two bridges across this lake, or you're gonna have to go way up and around, and you know only so many people can fit on a bridge. Yep, and so uh, the problem—I mean, it was a combination of, uh, or is it? It's still a problem. It's 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 only gotten worse. But um, you know, it's just just limited. Like, dude, we like you said, we can only, you know, we can't build a, a bridge over the entire. We can't build fifteen bridges. So, uh, and there's only so many ways to get east, and uh, the infrastructure there is insufficient for the the number of people who live there. California, it's the same, but. You know the the volume of people, the the millions of people who live here, and and everybody. There's no uh, public transportation, and not not a leg, not legitimately anyway. And so everyone well, just I, drives I, themselves. I, I joke. Southern California's definition of public transportation is two people in a car. Yeah, that's it, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad, man. So it's generally one person per vehicle, and we have 15 million vehicles. Yeah, I mean, I know, and we're, you know, as a country, uh, we got to work on some of these things. Um, uh, you know, how are we going to solve the problems? They, they're not simple fixes. I mean, we've been this way for so long. Right, I mean, hey, I I like public transportation where it works because obviously I don't drive, but you you're not going to undo 50, 60 years of uh, car culture, and the it's just not like we're not built that way. Yeah, and and on a daily basis, each individual is going to make the decision that is best for them, and uh, you know I need to do you know. Item one, two, three, four today. I need to get to Irvine. Then I got to go to Ontario, and then I got to swing by Home Depot, and then I'm gonna, you know, hit a grocery store on the way home. Well, you know, how easy is that going to be to do on public transportation? Or, or like the the best choice for me is to have my vehicle, so I can hit all these spots, drive right to where I want to go, and then when I'm ready to leave, I get right in my car and I start the journey to the next location. You know, there's no schedule. I don't have to see when bus B gets here or, you know, I don't I don't need to catch the 212 train. You know what I mean? I just uh, and some I of it's just not practical. Like and I, I'm yeah. chuckling over here because you talk about Home Depot and I lived in San Francisco for a short period of time. And I'll always remember this, man. I'm on the bus. I don't remember the bus number, but I'm riding on the bus and this guy gets on the bus and he says to the driver, um, Hey, I got to go to Home Depot. Do you think it'll be okay if I bring a door back on the bus with me when I come back? <laughs> what did the driver say? I'm curious. Well, I hear, I think he said I, something like, you can't bring a door on the bus. That's pretty funny. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I loved it, you know, and that, but that's a small little geography, just like New York City or uh, Washington, D.C. or parts of Boston. <clears throat> Where is you know you have that kind of building? Yeah, we don't have that here. And well, you know, the other thing is, man, um, uh, Southern California is so spread out. I mean, it's it's miles and miles, man. And so uh, east, west, east, west, north, south. I mean, it's not it's not like uh, 
you know, like Phoenix. I go to Phoenix a lot for work, and uh, Phoenix is like a valley. You know, it's big, man. It's real big. You got Mesa and Scottsdale on the east, and um, you know Glendale and Peoria, and, and uh, you know obviously the city of Phoenix, and on and on, right? So there's all these other you know subcities or whatever in the valley, uh, but you know basically everything is 30 minutes with traffic maybe 50 you know to get from one end all the way to the other from the south side to the north side might take you 45 50 minutes or or east to west if you had to go all the way from end to end or whatever but generally speaking most hours of the day you can get from any one place to any other one place in about 30 minutes or so and everything is like all in this circle and then it has a couple sweeping highways that go around the outside, you know, so you don't have to cut right through the heart of everything, right? So, you know, you can kind of sweep around the outside of the, of the, major, of the valley. And, um, you know, Phoenix is a very big place. A lot of people live there, you know what I mean? It's, it's, there's a lot going on, but it's, it's generally centrally located. Uh, everyone is, is, is all t- together inside this, you know, one circle, whereas Los Angeles or, or Southern California is just miles and miles in between. And, and then every uh, little section in between, you know, from, from LA to Orange County, you know, I'm not even talking about San Diego, but just like the Inland Empire and, and some of that, I mean, it's really spread out, dude. Like, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's not tight, tightly knit. And so depending on where you need to go, it's just unrealistic to think you could do it with public transportation. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, because it's been long, it's been long for, I mean, like north to south spread out for a long time. And then as development continues to happen, it keeps growing further east. Yeah. And so, so. you know, uh, it's. And again, it's like as a country, we have challenges, but how do you decide what, you know? Uh, I know why Southern California is so popular. I mean, the weather is unbeatable. Um, so what do you do? Say, well, the first, you know, the first, it's okay for the first 40 million that were here, but nobody else. I mean, uh, you know, that's the challenge. Yeah. And like you said, man, we have, you know, anytime you have this many people, uh, I've had this conversation many times, you know, I don't, I don't care if it's just you and your wife, you don't even, you don't even necessarily agree on what you want to have for dinner and, um, or, you know, where the couch should be. And, and so that's two people who love each other, who can't always agree. That now you're going to have, you know, 350 million. You, you, you think they're, you're going to find some common ground? I mean, it's just tough, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know the details, but you talk about common ground. I just saw another headline. I didn't read the story yet. Uh, that uh, actually, speaking of all that and the serious challenges, um, Colorado or California, Nevada, and Arizona agreed on some water. Uh, like they started to settle the challenges of how much water they're all going to reduce by because of the challenges with the water problems on the Colorado River. There's a headline out in the news today. And, I mean, that's taken – I mean, that's like an impending serious problem, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're a living organism, man. We, we need water. And, uh, you know, we use it for, for lots of things, but uh, – you know, staying alive is right at the top <laughs> of, of the list. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a must-have item uh, right there with air, right? So um, when you live in a desert, uh, and, and then, you know, it'd be one thing if, like, 10 of us lived here. And, uh, yeah, we, had, we have to figure out a way for the 10 of us to ration, you know, make this water last. But, you know, 
when you have the millions and millions that we have in reality, uh, it's a real challenge, dude. It I is. will say we got some help this year, though, man. I, I don't remember a year in my lifetime that rained like this did. So I don't know how it was in Wisconsin. I mean, was it one of your wettest, uh, you know, as far as like uh, you, yours would have been more like snow. Ours was rain, but um, I mean, I'm talking yeah, in general. We're, we're good on water. I mean, you know. Heck, dude, there's been some crazy theories that uh, they want to, I mean, I don't think this will ever happen, but they want to build pipelines from the Great Lakes and take the water from the Great Lakes out west. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, dude. It doesn't, doesn't sound so crazy. Uh, the uh, the lack of water out west is, is definitely a real problem. But you think about, uh, I mean, Nevada. Arizona, California, they're all deserts. And then look at the population and the number of houses and businesses and, and buildings and just everything, man. I mean, just the, the agriculture alone in Northern California and the demand on water that is, you know, it's, uh, they're big numbers, man. They are. And I mean, like I said, these, these were, these are, uh, you know, these are not things that developed overnight and, you know, we don't have some planned world always where, you know, we're going to say, okay, you get five of this in this county and that's it. I mean, obviously we need to have some more of that and more structure and thought put behind what we're doing. Um, but, like, it didn't develop that way. And so undoing it is, uh, you know, and, I, you know, everybody's right. That's the challenge. Hey, it'd all be easy if... You know, and that if is if you did what I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I know uh, um, my mother tried to uh, get around this and, and found a spot uh, where um, they're on a well, you know, have solar. Uh, the, the power is hooked up to the grid uh, currently, but they do have a battery, and, and their intention was to get off entirely. But the water supply, uh, they moved to a place where um, – they had uh, uh, their own individual water supply. Had they have a, their own well on their property and can pull water from that well. And uh, okay, so they bought this land, built a house, you know, set it all up, and and they wanted to remove themselves from dependency on on public services as much as possible. And uh, you know, water uh, was one of them. And so um, they moved to a place l low in population and and. Uh, kind of, you know, off the, off the beaten path a little bit, but there was, uh, um, you know, water underground and they were able to pull full from. And then, uh, you know, fast forward about five years and now all of a sudden the surrounding area, uh, the city that they, they live in um, has been developing like crazy and building houses like crazy. And so where are they pulling from? You know, the, 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 the same drink that, that my mom has her straw in, you know, these other places just stuck straws in. <laughs> And so, you know, they had they had one house and now, you know, now there's 3000 houses pulling out of this, you know, w this w one cup of uh, Coca-Cola, you know, that used to have one straw in it and it seemed like it was going to last for generations. All of a sudden it's like, oh, crap, you know, we didn't know there's going to be 30 more straws put in here. So this stuff's going pretty fast. Yeah, and then on the same time, sometimes, you know, we, we got those straws drinking out, and then all of a sudden we figure out, oh, by the way, we've been polluting this groundwater. Yeah, well, thanks. 
Uh, yeah, it's rough out there, Kelly. I, I can't, you know, I just try to get through my days, man, do what I can. I, you know, I try to uh, do but, my part as best I can within reason. You know, I'm not a, I'm certainly not an activist. I'm, I'm not preaching uh, about how other people should live. I mean, I, I recycle. I try to be uh, conservative. I understand um, there's shortages and, and uh, you know, I'm not necessarily doing it for the, for the great of all man or, or the benefit of all mankind by any means, but I am conscious of it. I try not to be wasteful. Um, and, uh, you know, you hope other people are doing the same, man. Like just care a little bit and, and let's try and help this thing out. Cause the water, especially out here, man, it's a real problem. I mean, my, my prevailing philosophy of life is, you know, I mean, I think it's, you know, Hey man, uh, right. A treat other, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be preachy, but treat others the way you want to be treated. And within the circle of influence that you have, whatever that is, you know, try and make it as good as possible. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think if, you know, I don't know. For me, if, if, if you can do those two things, you know, if more people can, um, more power to the world. Well, we, we went sideways in this talk, bud. <laughs> well, I like it, though, man. I mean, I, I, uh, so I enjoy talking with you. I mean, I think that, you know, well, and I, I have, uh, one of the things about that is uh, we've talked about this as well. And, yeah, I get it. Sports is all this. But uh, I'm telling you, man, if, if the world could have more of that uh, when it's working and when it's in the flow, uh, that sense of togetherness that you have while we're cheering for a good sports team, uh, or you know, I'll say a sports team doesn't matter, good or bad. But I mean, you've been there, man. You know that feeling uh, of just you know, it doesn't matter, rich, poor, whatever. We're all pulling for something. Yeah, I get it. It's sports, but um, it's that kind of experience that I think we're aiming for in life. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a human feeling, man, to be connected. And, uh, um, you know, you want to pull in the same direction, right? Like, if we all got in a boat, man, and you're, and you're rowing one way and I'm rowing the other, it's like, dude, we're not going anywhere, man. Let's just work together, you know? We'll, we'll swing by where I want to go on the way, and then we'll, we'll end up where you want to go. But, you know, let's, let's work together. And... Uh, um, otherwise, we're just stuck here in the middle of this lake, right? No, I want to go left. Well, I want to go right. And we could paddle against each other for, for days and, and never move. Or, you know, come up with a new plan that benefits us both. And, and you may feel like you're giving a little more this time. And, and, you know, next time I'll give a little more, you know. And, and uh, um, that boat, you know, the you, boat analogy, I mean, I know it's, it is so apt, though. It's, you know, when you're in a boat, like if you're in a canoe and, uh, Boy, when you get into a good canoe or uh, and you got both people paddling effectively, you just really feel uh, that extra surge of power and how you really can control where you're going. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's the old saying, no one wants to move a couch by themselves, right? <laughs> so I'd, I'd rather move five couches with, with, a, with another guy than, than move one couch by myself. And so, you know, if we could just kind of take that concept to, uh, you know, more of the world, right? And let's work together, man, you know, and, and uh, you know, sometimes you'll have the heavy side with the recliner in it, and sometimes I will. We'll take turns, but the point is we're, we're both better off by working together. 
Well, I know I'm better off working on this podcast together with you and our audience listening, so uh, that's definitely for sure. Uh, really enjoyed this episode, Chris, kind of all over the map, but uh, kind of how Yeah, I like is. it, though, man. So, you know, sometimes we pop around a little bit. There's, you know, there's a lot going on in the world and, you know, in our own heads, and uh, yeah, it's nice to nice to be able to jump around a little bit. I like it. All right, Chris, and thanks, everyone, for listening to another edition of the podcast to be named later. Thanks, Kelly.